Friends, will you pray with me? Good and gracious God, send your spirit now. That the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts might both be glorifying to you, but also lead us to a place of renewed hope. We pray these things, God, because we know with you they are possible. For you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Something tragic happened in Memphis, Tennessee, just over a week ago. I first met the Reverend Steve Montgomery when we overlapped in service on the Board of Trustees at Columbia Seminary. Steve was a longtime trustee. I was serving a one-year term as a student trustee in the 2012-2013 school year at Columbia. I didn't get to know him as well as I wish I had, but what I remember about him uh, is his size. He was a big man and a big bushy beard and a, a deep resonating voice. But when you talked with him, you found that deeper even than his voice was his faith and his commitment to discipleship as a follower of Jesus Christ. Steve was, for close to two decades, the senior pastor of Idlewild Presbyterian Church, one of the larger congregations in our national denomination. And it was during his time there that he, he deepened that church's sense of commitment to those acts of discipleship, to welcoming all of their neighbors, to working in pursuit of justice, for all of God's children, to welcoming and caring for the refugee and the immigrant, to feeding the hungry. One of the obituaries written by a member of Congress on Steve's life noted that there was a lot of John Lewis in Steve Montgomery. Steve retired from that ministry a little over a year ago and at his retirement he told the church uh, that he was going to do two things. The first was he was going to unplug his alarm clock and the second was that he was going to buy a bike. And it was on a bike ride after dinner with his family one evening about a week and a half ago that he was struck and killed by a car. Now you can only begin with me to imagine the depth of grief that his family and that, that congregation that he had shepherded for 20 years is feeling right now. As it happens, one of my dearest friends in ministry was a colleague of Steve's for, for much of his tenure at Idlewild. The Reverend Ann Apple, she 
remains in ministry at that church right now as their senior associate pastor and as the interim head of staff as they continue to search for who God is leading following Steve's retirement to serve as pastor of that church. And I was thinking about Anne last Saturday, knowing that she was going to have to climb into the pulpit of that massive Gothic sanctuary and shepherd a congregation that couldn't fill a single pew. Right, The grief that we are all facing at the loss of loved ones, but particularly a church faces at the loss of a pastor, and this time is compounded even more by the fact that we can't come together. Ann and I texted some uh, on Saturday night, and she essentially said to me, I don't have words. And I essentially said to her, I'm praying for you. Last Sunday in the afternoon sometime, I pulled up Idlewild's website, and I found their live stream, and I, I watched the recording of their worship from that morning. The beginning opens with a bell carillon and, and photos of Steve from his time in ministry, and then the camera cuts to Anne there in that empty sanctuary. And she began their time of worship with these words. She said to those some 800 plus people gathered online worshiping together via screen, she said to them through the camera, Grace and peace to you and welcome in the name of our risen Lord Jesus Christ. Across the distance and the days, she continued, we are together in this sanctuary where all who enter find a home. We come this morning lamenting the unexpected death of our beloved retired pastor, Steve Montgomery. And then looking straight into the camera with tears in her eyes, she said, we come together lamenting this death, and yet we come inside daring You know, our story this morning from Matthew's Gospel, perhaps one of the most familiar stories in all of the Gospels, Jesus walking on water. To me, this is the story of someone who dares to hope. Now, this is often one of the most misconstrued stories, I think, in all the Gospels. Too often people read those words Jesus speaks to Peter at the end as an admonishment. You of little faith, he says to him. It's a story that has often been misconstrued to, to uh, bring about shame almost in those who struggle in faith, and don't we all? It's been used to open up questions in the hearts of some to wonder, well, maybe, maybe I have cancer because... My faith isn't strong enough. Maybe I, I lost my job because my faith isn't strong enough. Maybe if I just believed a little bit more, my spouse wouldn't have cheated on me. But it's also used on the, the flip side of that as well. It's a text that sometimes is interpreted for us as, as being an almost a, a proof of faith. 
do something miraculous to prove to me just how much you believe. <laughs> right, what's that country song? Jesus, take the wheel. What? No. Right? I mean, God gave us brains for a reason. Right? We misunderstand this story if we understand it centrally to be a call that, that urges us to, to stop thinking for some reason or, or to risk our own welfare recklessly. No, when I read this story, what I see clearest is Peter. Peter, that, that person who over and over is a, a foil, I think, for you and for me. The image I see when I read this story is Peter in that boat, being tossed about in the waves, terrified. I see this, this incredibly afraid person who's been out there for hours, hunkering, cowering in, in utter and complete fear, the kind of fear you and I have known so viscerally ourselves at points in life. But then I see Peter catching glimpse just over the, the rail of the ship and recognizing the figure coming towards him. At first it was as if it was a ghost, but then, but then he gets just close enough that he sees Jesus. And in that moment, when he finally recognizes who it is that's out there on the water, here Peter rises and he dares to hope. He dares to, to step out of that boat on the faith that there is something greater than even his greatest fear. Friends, we... we uh, we can't walk on water. We know the people who like to think they can, but, but I think we can all agree that none of us can walk on water. But all of us can dare to hope. What does that look like for us? What does that look like for, for, uh, for our church? You know, earlier this week, I uh, was invited to be a guest at an event, a forum, really, that had been organized by a local community organization. And the, the purpose of this gathering was to facilitate um, further conversation around issues of race injustice and equality, specifically in our own community, particularly in the, in the wake of Ahmaud Arbery's murder in our community and, and George Floyd's murder and, and, and the other events that, that have transpired in recent months and brought these issues to the forefront of our national consciousness. And, and at this forum, there were, um, there were older people and, and younger, youngish, there were uh, people with, with white skin, with brown skin, with black skin, judging by some of the comments that, that different people shared. I think it's fair to say there were people on, on all sides of the political spectrum. But it was a beginning, at least. That whole room, uh, 
some people gathered in person, others joining virtually. That that whole space was was full of people, though though different in so many respects, but people who were all there because because they wanted to at least start the conversation. It was a room of people, it occurred to me as I sat there in the back, people who were trying to find the courage to dare to hope. And in that case, to to dare to hope for a more just world. Right? Because daring to hope, it it involves an action. This is an act of hope. You, you have to first step out of the boat. If you want to dare to hope, you have to step out of that boat of all your uh, preconceived notions. You have to step out of that boat of, uh, of your particular political party's talking points. You, you have to step out of the boat even of your pastor's perspective. You, you have to step into the unknown solely on the trust that God will meet you there. And here's the thing. Sometimes when you step out of the boat, I promise you're going to sink. Right? You step out of that boat and you, uh, you get distracted. In this case, for Peter, it's the winds and the waves. For us, we, we might step out of the boat and get distracted by the things that, that don't really matter, and we begin to, to sink. Other times, we step out of the boat and we get one step away, and we look back and we, we think to ourselves, you know, it was a lot funner back there with people who think just like us, with, with people who aren't going to challenge me, and we're ready to jump back in, right? One of my uh, uh, most helpful uh, bits that I read this week was a commentator who said, but, but notice that, that when Peter begins to sink, Jesus doesn't just watch him slip under the waves and wave goodbye. No, Jesus reaches out. Jesus always reaches out when we begin to sink, and we will sink. Right? What if we read that, that exchange between Jesus and Peter towards the end of this passage a little differently? What if it was less of an admonishment and more, more of the voice of a friend? What if it wasn't Jesus saying, uh, if you just had more faith, but more Jesus saying, you had it. Gosh, for, for a moment you were doing it. Did, did you feel that? As he reaches out to grab us until we're ready to try you know, last Sunday watching that service, uh, something, something miraculous happened. A congregation that, that was thrown out into the stormy seas of, of grief, of deep grief. They were invited there in that worship to dare Right? Anne stood in that pulpit and she, um, she boldly proclaimed the gospel, proclaimed the good news of the resurrection. She invited that congregation to join her at the table, the table where all are welcome, where they meet that God who will wipe away every tear and who whispers ever so gently to each and all, I love you and you are mine. She reminded them 
that even in those stormy waters of their grief, God would not let them sink. After worshiping with them via that live stream last Sunday afternoon, I texted my friend Anne and I said to her, you dared to hope. Thank you. Friends, may others say the same about us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.